the thunder mutters. Poetry and Music Podcast presented by Becky Dello and Adam Horowitz. Episode 17 John Clare's The Shepherd's Calendar March Hello and welcome to episode 17 of The Thunder Mutters. I'm Adam Horowitz. And I'm Becky Dello. And we're back with the final episode of The Shepherd's Calendar. We started celebrating John Clare last April when lockdown began. And now we've come to the end and lockdown looks like it might be easing. But it's been quite a year, hasn't it, of poetry and music, Becky? What a year. I mean, not just for poetry and music. It's going to be a year that we that no one ever forgets and will go down in history. And I think we've said it before, but being able to do this podcast for you has given us some kind of anchor each month, for which we're grateful. And it's been wonderful being able to have a bit of escapism and go back in time and experience how Claire was seeing the months move by. So yes, it's been it's been a fabulous year for us for music and poetry. I am looking forward to going to the pub though. It's not just been about looking back at the past though. For me, reading through these monthly extracts of Claire has been a, a really rewarding way of focusing on the things around me here now. I mean, I think I think something that you could do in a city just as much as in the countryside is that deep focus on the little details around you. And it's quite ex- it's been quite exciting to have that expansion of the head we found it exactly the same i think also because we'd moved house we were spending the first spring and summer in a new house when you notice the seasons more acutely anyway but i think being around them day in day out you you would from day to day you'd notice the leaves opening on the trees it was quite quite fascinating uh, seeing the seasons unfold in front of our eyes yeah And so, as I say, we've come to the end of the Shepherd's Calendar, but we do have plans to continue the Thunder Mutters, not this time with John Clare for a little while. So in late May, we're going to take a break throughout April, but we're coming back in late May with a whole new slew of poems and music. Again, it is someone who has the relationship between fiddles and poetry so it connects sort of adam and i in that way again and if you haven't guessed who that might be drum roll adam you can do the big reveal it's thomas hardy he was a fiddle player a keen fiddle player so was his father and i believe his grandfather as well because he had some manuscripts with tunes in tune manuscript books which are called the Hardy family family tune books, which were his father and grandfather's. So it goes back throughout his family. And you were telling me earlier that uh, when you finished your PhD, you finished with a, a particular poem of Hardy's and a particular photograph. Yes, I um, 
I just as a, a postscript, I copied out Ode to My Father's Violin, which is Hardy talking about the violin that's hanging on the wall and how de- desperately sad he feels because it used to be such a vibrant instrument and it reminds him of his dad who's since died and then I've got the photos of my great-great-grandfather's violin and tune book in fact I might I might put that on Facebook just take a photo of the last page of my thesis so you can see it on the Thundermutters page because that's then my great-great-grandfather's violin and I'd just love to have heard him play the tunes from his book so it's just a nice connection there but I'll, I'll put that on Facebook. Now, if you'd like to keep supporting us and help us keep the Thunder Mutters going, we'd be very grateful if you'd drop a few pounds into our Ko-fi page. That's www.kofi.com forward slash the Thunder Mutters, ko-fi.com forward slash the Thunder Mutters. Every little bit does help just keep us going. And as I say, we'll be back in late May with Thomas Hardy. So we're back this month with, as I said, the final March excerpt from the Shepherd's Calendar. And we have a new selection of tunes for you from Becky. Well, we open with St. David's Day, which is, of course, chosen because that's the way March opens on the 1st of March. Um, It's a pretty little jig and it was also known as the Welshman's Leek. Second is another jig, Way to Get Married. I haven't researched... I don't think I could find anything out about that, actually. That's why I haven't got any notes on that one. Next comes Kingsbridge Assembly, which was also known as Liberty for the Sailors, which has existed from at least 1812 because it was found in a manuscript which is dated from that year. And it was used as a tune to accompany songs about the press gangs. Next is Captain Mackintosh. This was in print from at least 1780. And a nice little segue to our next project. This isn't only in Claire's manuscript, but also in Thomas Hardy's family tune books. So likely played by by the Hardys too. And there's a reason I placed that one where it is in the running order, simply because Claire talks about formations of geese in the sky, which just struck me as, you know, slightly military and I couldn't resist. Very nice. Next is Coming Through the Rye, popular in both Scotland and Ireland. The tune title comes from lyrics set to it by Robbie Burns, and the tune is thought to have been composed by Robert Brem, although it had appeared earlier in 1796 under the title if a body meet a body. There are similarities with Old Lang Syne and they're possibly from the same tune family. Next is Archer's Dance, around from at least 1793. That's when it first appeared. Oh, that's it appears in print on that date. Could have appeared before, of course. Uh, another nice little jig, likely a country dance rather than a song melody and thought to have English origins. Next is Montrose's Reel. This is a Scottish reel published in 1791 in a book called The Celebrated Circus Tunes. So this is possibly a tune taken from a stage play. And finally, the Irish Rudolum, lovely name, and chosen because of another patron saint 
Day, this one of Ireland, St. Patrick's Day on the 17th of March. It's an Irish slip jig, which means there are nine quavers in a bar. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, rather than six. Oh, one, two, three, four, five, six, which is more, which is characteristic of a normal jig. And this is attributed to an Irish Ilian pipe player uh, in 1818 called Walter Jackson. So that's my tune choices for the final episode of Claire. So without further ado, here's Becky playing St. David's Day. The Shepherd's Calendar March March, month of many weathers, wildly comes in hail and snow and rain and threatening hums and floods, while often at his cottage door the shepherd stands to hear the distant roar loosed from the rushing mills and river locks with thundering sound and overpowering shocks and headlong hurry through the meadow briggs, brushing the leaning willows, fingering twigs, in feathering foam, and eddy-hurrying chase, rolling a storm o'er taken traveller's pace from bank to bank along the meadow lees, spreading and shining like to little seas, while in the pale sunlight a watery brood of swapping white birds flock about the flood. Yet winter seems half weary of its toil, and round the ploughman on the elting soil will thread a minute's sunshine wild and warm through the ragged places of the swimming storm, and oft the shepherd in his path will spy the little daisy in the wet grass lie that to the peeping sun enlivens gay like labour smiling on an holiday. And where the stunt bank fronts the southern sky, By lanes or brooks where sunbeams love to lie, A cowslip peep will open faintly coy, Soon seen and gathered by a wandering boy. tale of spring around the distant haze seems muttering pleasures with lengthening days. Morn wakens mottled oft with mayday stains, and shower drops hang the grassy sprouting plains, and on the naked thorns of brassy hue drip glistening like a summer dream of dew, while from the hillside freshening forest drops, as one might walk upon their thickening tops, 
and buds where young hope's promise seemly swells, where woodman that in wild seclusion dwells, where chopping toil the coming spring deceives, of many dancing shadows, flowers, and leaves, and in his pathway down the mossy wood crushes where hasty feet full many a bud of early primrose, yet if timely spied, sheltered some old half-rotten stump beside. The sight will cheer his solitary hour, and urge his feet to stride and save the flower. Muffled in baffles, leathern coat and gloves, the hedger toils oft scaring rustling doves from out the hedgerows who in hunger browse the chocolate berries on the ivy boughs and flocking fieldfares speckled like the thrush picking the red awe from the swaying bush that come and go on winter's chilly wing and seem to share no sympathy with spring. The stooping ditcher in the water stands, letting the furrowed lakes from off the lands, or splashing cleans the pasture brooks of mud, where many a wild weed freshens into bud, and sprouting from the bottom purply green, the watercresses neath the wave is seen, which the old woman gladly drags to land where reaching long rake in her tottering hand. The ploughman mauls along the doughy sloughs, and often stop their songs to clean their ploughs, from teasing twitch that in the spongy soil clings round the coulter a terrifying toil, the sour striding o'er his dirty way sinks ankle-deep in pudgy sloughs and clay, and o'er his heavy hopper stoutly leans, strewing with swinging arms the pattering beans, which soon as April's milder weather gleams will shoot up green between the furrowed seams. The driving boy, glad when his steps can trace the swelling edding as a resting place, slings from his clotted shoes the dirt around, and fain would rest him on the solid ground, and sings when he can meet the parting green of rushy bulks that bend the lands between while close behind him struts the nauntling crow, and daws whose heads seem powdered o'er with snow, to seek the worms, and rooks a noisy guest that on the wind-rocked elms prepares her nest, on the fresh furrow often drops to pull the twitchy roots and gathering sticks and wool, neath trees whose dead twigs litter to the wind, and gaps where stray sheep left their coats behind while ground-larks on a swaying clumper rushes, or on the top twigs of the oddling bushes, chirp their cree-creeing note that sounds of spring, and skylarks meet the sun with flittering wing. Soon as the morning opes its brightening eye, large clouds of sternals blacken through the sky, 
from Iserholtz about the rushy fen, and Reedshaw borders by the river Nen, and wild geese regiments now again repair to the wet bosom of broad marshes there, in marching columns and attention all, listening and following their ringleader's call. The shepherd boy that hastens now and then from hail and snow beneath his sheltering den of flags or file-leaved sedges tied in sheaves, or stubble-shocks, oft as his eye perceives, sun-threads shrink out with momentary smiles, with fancy thoughts his loneliness beguiles, thinking the struggling winter hourly by, as down the edges of the distant sky the hailstorm sweeps. And while he stops to strip the stooping hedge-briar of its lingering hip, he hears the wild geese gabble o'er his head, and pleased with fancies in his musings bred, he marks the figured forms in which they fly, and pausing follows with a wandering eye, likening their curious march in curves or rows to every letter which his memory knows while far above the solitary crane swings lonely to unfrozen dikes again, cranking a jarring melancholy cry through the wild journey of the cheerless sky. Full oft at early seasons mild and fair, March bids farewell with garlands in her hair, Of hazel tassels woodbine's hairy sprout, And slow and wild plum blossoms peeping out, In thick-set knots of flowers preparing gay For April's rain, a mockery of May, That soon will glisten on the earnest eye, Like snow-white cloths hung in the sun to dry. The old dame often stills her burring wheel when the bright sun will through the window steal and gleam upon her face and dancing fall in diamond shadows on the pictured wall 
while the white butterfly, as in a maze, will settle on the glossy glass to gaze, and oddling bee, oft patting, passing by, as if they care to tell her spring was nigh, and smiling glad to see such things once more, up she will get and potter to the door, and look upon the trees beneath the eaves, sweet briar and lad's love swelling into leaves, and damson trees thick knotting into bloom, and gooseberry blossoms on the bushes come, and stooping down oft views her garden beds to see the spring flowers pricking out their heads, and from her apron-strings she'll often pull her scissors out, an early bunch to cull, for flower-pots on the window-board to stand, where the old hour-glass spins its thread of sand, and maids will often mark with laughing eye in elder where they hang their clothes to dry, the sharp-eyed robin hop from grain to grain, singing its little summer notes again. As a sweet pledge of spring, the little lambs bleat in the varied weather round their dams, or huge molehill or Roman mound behind, like spots of snow lie sheltered from the wind. While the old yoes, bold with paternal cares, looses their fears and every danger dares, who if the shepherd-dog but turns his eye, and stops behind a moment passing by, will stamp, draw back, and then their threats repeat, urging defiance with their stamping feet, and stung with cares hopes cannot reconcile, they stamp and follow till he leaps a stile, or skulking from their threats betakes to flight, and with a master lessons out of sight. Clowns mark the threatening rage of March pass by, and clouds wear thin and ragged in the sky, while with less sudden and more lasting smiles the growing sun their hopes of spring beguiles, who often at its end remark with pride, days lengthen in their visits a cock's stride. Dames clean their candlesticks and set them by, glad of the makeshift light that eaves supply. The boy returning home at night from toil, down lane and close, a footbridge, gate and stile, oft trembles into fear and stands to hark, the waking fox renew his short, gruff bark, while badgers echo their dread evening shrieks, and to his thrilling thoughts in terror speaks, and shepherds that win their hulks remain, night after night upon the chilly plain, to watch the dropping lambs that at all hours come in the quaking blast like early flowers, demanding all the shepherds' care who form up walls of straw to make their dwelling warm, and round their necks in wary caution ties long shreds of rags in red or purple dyes, 
that's meant in danger as a safety spell, like the old yo that wears a tinkling bell, the sneaking foxes from his thefts to fright, that often seizes the young lambs at night. These, when they in their nightly watchings hear the badger's shriek, can hardly stifle fear. They list the noise from woodland's dark recess, like helpless shrieking woman in distress. And oft as such fears fancying mystery, believes the dismal yelling sounds to be. For superstition hath its thousand tales, to people all his midnight woods and vales. And the dread spot from whence the dismal noise mars the night musings of their dark employs, owns its sad tale to realize their fear, at which their hearts in boyhood ached to hear. A maid at night, by treacherous love decoyed, was in that shrieking wood years past destroyed. She went, twas said, to meet the waiting swain, and home and friends ne'er saw her face again. Mid brakes and thorns that crowded round the dell, and matting weeds that had no tongues to tell, he murdered her alone at dead midnight, while the pale moon threw round her a sickly light, and loud shrieks left the thicket's slumbers deep, that only scared the little birds from sleep. When the pale murderer's terror-frowning eye told its dread errand that the maid should die, mid thick black thorns her secret grave was made, and there when night the murdered girl was laid. When no one saw the deed but God and he, and moonlight sparkling through the sleeping tree, around the red breast might at morning steal, there for the worm to meet his morning meal, in fresh-turned moulds that first beheld the sun, nor knew the deed that dismal night had done. Such is the tale that superstition gives, and in her midnight memory ever lives that makes the boy run by with wild affright, and shepherds startle on their rounds at night. Now love teased maidens from their droning wheels, at the red hour of sunset sliving steels from scolding dames to meet their swains again. The water checks their visits o'er the plain. They slive where no one sees some wall behind, or orchard apple trees that stops the wind to talk about spring's pleasures hovering nigh, and happy rambles when the roads get dry. The insect world, now sunbeams higher climb, oft dreams of spring and wake before their time. Blue flies from straw, stack crawling, scarce alive, 
and bees peep out on slabs before the hive, stroking their little legs across their wings, and venturing short flight where the snowdrop hings its silver bell, and winter aconite with buttercup-like flowers that shut at night, and green leaf frilling round their cups of gold, like tender maiden muffled from the cold. They sip and find their honey dreams are vain, and feebly hasten to their hives again. And butterflies, by eager hopes undone, glad as a child come out to greet the sun, lost neath the shadow of a sudden shower, nor left to see tomorrow's April flower. So that was Becky playing us out of the poem and music with Irish Rudlam. And that's us done with Claire. For now. I'm, I'm sure we'll come back with Claire again, maybe as a little intermediary episode when we're doing the Thomas Hardy things, because there is so much Claire still to, to do and such, still such a rewarding poet. I don't see that we will stop doing the occasional Claire episode here and there. So you've got a couple of months to get your thinking caps on, get creative and start thinking about Hardy. Send us poems or tunes, any response in the style of or however you want to interpret it. But we'd love to feature your contributions. And if you're still inspired by Claire, send those along. As Adam says, we'll probably still be referring back to Claire as well. But enjoy, uh, if you're from the UK, enjoy coming out of lockdown and don't go wild. <laughs> if you do want to send us poems or get in touch about possibly sending us poems and tunes, email us at thethundermutters at gmail.com or get in touch with us on Twitter at Thundermutters or on our Facebook page, The Thundermutters. Thank you for the last year. And here's to the next year. Do, if you feel the urge, help the podcast keep running on the internet by subscribing to our or dropping a few pounds into our Kofi page. That's www.kofi.com forward slash the Thundermutters. Kofi being spelled K O hyphen F I. In the meantime, thank you ever so much for listening. We'll be back in May. Uh, have a good couple of months. I'm Adam Horowitz. And I'm Becky Dello. And we're very grateful to you for listening. See you in a couple of months. Goodbye. <laughs>